With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're the Feminine Critique, and we talk about movies. Uh, today, Christine, what movies yeah. are we talking about? We're talking about two movies. We're talking about <laughs> um, Lords of Salem, um, Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem, if you weren't aware. Is it Lords it, or The Lords? Is it The Lord? I thought it was just Lords of Salem. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, IMDb has it as The Lords, so... Oh, Don't I've never said it that way in my life. Lords could be any lord. The lords are specifically specific ones. Weird. Oh, I definitely not never referred to it that way, but I get it. It's fine. That's a choice. And then um, we are still here. We are still here. Is there? Okay. Yes, we are. No, there's no question mark. I say I have. I always um, think I'm saying it wrong because I thought I, I feel I want there to be. I wanted to be worded differently. You know what it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's because it's R instead of we're. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're doing the that Grover thing of not using conjunctions. And that's why it, it feels awkward to say we are still here. Because you don't know where the stress goes. If it's we're still here, it's it's easier. You can say that without thinking about it. But when it's we are still here, you don't know where you emphasize. Right? No, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, now, these were your picks. They were. Look at me. I picked two I'm real so things. Out of you. You right. said you wanted to do something scary, and you picked two movies. I'm so pleased with myself. I am proud of and you. And they were really inter. Real, that's not a word. They were really intertwined. They were, including <laughs> an, a shared actor. Um, two. Two? Yeah. You're right. Oh my gosh. I forgot. The two, um, uh, one, because I think they're. Kind of uncredited in Lords of Salem, but it's yes. uh, 
Barbara Crampton shows up very briefly in Lords of Salem. Yep. And when she showed up, I'm like, is that Barbara Crampton? And then I forgot. I'm I, like, it must be because it's a Rob Zombie film. So, of course, it would be. But yep. I'd forgotten. And Lee, I never, I don't, who was Lisa Marie in Lords of Salem? Is she just one of the I witches? Didn't, I honestly didn't see her. But, but I yeah. saw her in the credits at the end. Like, as the credits were scrolling at the end, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, Lords of Salem, I mean, because it's a Rob Zombie film, it meant that much was filmed and cut. Uh, and it's, re- the cast list of Lords of Salem is so good. Watching the movie, I, I, the yeah. second time, and I even, like, deliberately said to myself, like, oh, let me look for Sid Haig and Lisa Marie and all these people. And well, I don't Sid know, if, are they in there? Well, Lisa Marie might be, because she's in the final credit scroll. But okay. Sid Haig's not, I don't think Sid Haig's actually I in it. I feel like did he's you in read... the credits roll, too, though, with Michael Barron. Is he in? I didn't, oh, fuck, you're right, no, I, you're right, you're right, I was thinking of something else. Yeah, because I think it's, like... they're two of the, like... They might be in the scene when they're burning the witches. Like, they may be exactly. the dudes. That's, that's what Zach said. Okay. Or they might have filmed... Because originally, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but originally it was going to be Richard Lynch as, like, the guy that actually talks, and they were going to be with... So maybe they filmed with him at that point, but then uh, Rob Zombie uh-huh. redid that whole thing. I don't know. It's bizarre and confusing. It is, because there's the whole thing Zach was reading about it. I just let him read and give me the give me the good parts. <laughs> that is a good um, system you got there. See, you two both marriage is awesome if you do it right. So he, he said that they... There was a, a bunch um, not filmed, cut out. There's like a whole story that's not there, and there's like a movie that's yeah, cast. Yeah, like a movie within a movie. And when Howard is in it or something? I don't know. So there's a bunch of names, I think, on IMDb that aren't actually in this movie. And yet IMDb doesn't credit them as scenes cut, which they usually mm-hmm. do. So Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's confusing. But yeah. I, I don't think I saw Lisa Marie, but I could be convinced. I didn't spot her. I assume she was one of the witches somewhere, but who knows. Uh, Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about in Lords of Salem. Needless to say. Uh, Before we break into our full feature coverages, Mm -hmm. uh, we like to talk about what else we've been watching, do we not? We do, typically. All right, how about you tell me these things? My list is actually really short. Um, I don't know you know what i have this really vague memory of staying with you in new york that did happen and you watching or at least talking about watching um drag race probably rupaul's drag race yes most likely because i am a huge fan of it so okay so i i've only had peripheral knowledge of this show like obviously i know what it is Mm -hmm. like I got a brain. I put two and two together, and I I had this thing in my head that you watched it, which which oh, had, which indicates something to me about something like this. There, this is something that I shouldn't dismiss. I guess because oh, this no, person who I really admire, who has great taste, oh, you. I know this is just me complimenting you for two hours. So so basically, I don't. Oh, you know, I do know how it happened. So there's a show called Skin Wars. It's a body painting show. Oh, Do you know okay. Anything? Yes, I've okay. seen it uh, advertised. Okay, so I don't know why we fell down a rabbit hole of watching these on Hulu, but Zach and I watched a season, and RuPaul is actually one of the judges. Nice. And they have challenges on this body painting show where they have contestants or former contestants 
on <gasps> of RuPaul dra- from Drag Race <gasps> come and get body painted. Oh, that's neat. So we were like, you know what? I think it, I think it's, it planted this little seed. So when we finished up Skin uh-huh. Wars, we were like, well, we'll just look at Drag Race. We'll just put it on and we'll look at it. My God, we have watched nothing but Drag Race. Because it's so good. It is my, the my combination. Like, if if you've ever, even people that are like, oh, I don't like reality TV. Like, no, but okay, fair. Reality competition shows that are actually good. Like Project yes. Runway in its heyday. It's which, a whole different genre. Yeah. When it's a competition show that's good. And what Drag Race does is it's so meta about it. And it takes all of the good aspects of that. Puts it in the hands of RuPaul, for one thing, but also contestants whose whole job and kind of persona is to embrace all this artifice and be a performer that they know exactly, and especially, I don't know which seasons you watched, but if you watch like the last two seasons, you see how smart some of them are about, they know know how to manipulate TV, because that's what the TV show is. What season would you say that they're on? now uh oh i think they just did season six or seven who was on the seasons that you were watching? well i just watched all of season four and we just finished season season four is bianca season four is sharon needles sharon needles okay okay so oh and latrice (laughs) real right yeah so sharon needles changed my life oh my god the wrestling episode you got to watch the wrestling episode right of course i did there is an episode of drag race where they have to wrestle and it is the greatest thing in the world the first episode of drag race i ever saw had elvira on it oh yeah so yeah basically like and sharon needles is my is my soulmate i think i could see that so like just spoke to me on this level and so zach and i devoured it and we were like oh my god and i'm thinking okay i like latrice there were people i liked on that season for mm-hmm. sure but like it was sharon and i oh, yeah. and i'm thinking like so we're gonna we're gonna try to watch the next season and it's not gonna work because sharon's not there and um next so season watched- jinx monsoon who's my favorite yep. Oh my god, of course she is. Of course she is. Oh, the, the, the Great Gardens thing. Oh my god, the Great Gardens thing. The, the, the snatch game. For yeah. those who don't know, um, halfway <laughs> through the season of RuPaul's Drag Race, they have an episode called The Snatch Game where all the contestants have to do an impersonation, but they play it like... Um, what is it? Not the dating game. Match game. The, yeah, the, the match game. So, <laughs> but they're all in character. And so, like, if you're a drag queen, you come into this show knowing what character you're going to do. Of and you have course. to be quick and witty. And in in season five, Jinx Monsoon, my favorite, does Little Edie the from Grey Gardens. And it's so amazing. I got, I got pissed when people... Did, of course, so now I'm like oh, years Rox, behind. Bitchy Roxy, that's why. Roxy is not awesome. I did not oh, like she's Roxy. Awful. But yes, I agree. So I loved Alaska, who's Sharon Needles' uh, husband, I guess. So, or at the time, at the time, I I think think they're broken up now. But, but like, so I'm like already, I'm like, here's my my dorky weirdo. I love this person, Mm -hmm. and then Jinx is just like bizarre and awesome and chooses to do little Edie on the snatch game and I it killed it was so accurate and so funny and it has this has been one of the best choices I've ever made oh yeah it's it's a life choice not an amazing time in my work life and this is a very nice and it's just so and it gets really like I have sobbed watching RuPaul's Drag Race just because they get very you know, I mean, it's, yes, it's still TV, it's still reality TV and not really real, but 
Renritz, RuPaul is a is a genius and is also somebody that's spent you know his her life in the being like an icon of the LGBT community. And there's some episodes where they talk about family, and when like there's always an episode where different queens talk about how they came out or their relationships with their families, and it it really is a show that just gets to you because as much as their whole thing is performance like you kind of learn like oh it's and part of the reason is because they had these rough home lives or they you know didn't know who they were and they found drag and drag is this amazing thing and oh it's just so life-affirming they're so fucking talented we saw jinx um me and jason went to see her she does like a two-man show uh that's a musical my god can she sing Oh, I'm like, jealous. Just inc- like where you're like, she's a Broadway performer. She can, it's not just lip syncing. Like, she, no, she can, uh, she was doing, we, we saw her do like a Sweeney Todd performance where she was changing the words. Oh, oh, it's so good. I'm so happy for you. I'm jealous that you have that in, in your life, that oh, you could do that. Day. Because I, yeah, it's, so it's been, it's been great. But it also means that I haven't watched as many movies. That's okay. Um, it's, it's so okay. Your yeah, life is better. And I'm, I, I have to thank Erica, because back in the day, like, I didn't watch it. Because I'm like, I watch too much TV. I don't need another reality show. And Erica kept, she's like, no, 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 you really need to. Because it, it's America's Next Top Model and Project Runway and a thousand other things combined into, into something better than everything. Mm-hmm. So, yay. Thank yay. you. Thank you. Yay. I might not have been so, like, like yeah, let's do this. If if I didn't have that little thing in the back of my head, yep. like, I don't really know anybody that watches it. You know, I, I sometimes I worry that I'm not, like, I'm not a doctor giving, um, you know, saving people from Ebola or building habitats for humanity or doing anything great for mankind. But you know what? I did something for mankind you, today. You did. I? You did. I did. You, you I totally Im- did. You made people's lives better. Yeah, I did. I got. I feel pretty good about myself right now. I gotta say. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, the things I did watch, I'll okay. go through them quickly. Um, still have movie pass. Still working out for me. Good. So we went and saw um, Pop Star. Um, I've heard good things. Never stop. Never stopping. So. <laughs> It's good. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, I think Lonely Island stuff is funny, though. So if you aren't into that shtick and those songs and those characters, then you might not really be interested in it. Makes sense. But I liked it. Um, Because I hate myself, we decided (laughs) to watch Primeval, the alligator movie that everyone pretended wasn't about an alligator. I know the title. It might be on my queue. So do you remember? What, did you remember this though? It came. It came out, and the advertising around it was like, like the the serial killer and the horror, and <laughs> like then people started watching it, and it was like, no, this is about an alligator, you guys. Why would they not just say this is the alligator movie? Like, I, if people it, like it, alligators, don't they? I don't know. I mean, right now it, it's kind of, kind of bad timing because of Disney yeah, and stuff, but it's not um, Primeval's fault. It's ew. It wasn't good. It was. It was just so bad. Was it so bad? It was no. Emily? No. Okay. No. Know. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a million other alligator movies you could watch. Instead. Perhaps. Perhaps. There's like 9,000 of the um, Lake Placid sequels yeah. uh, on I'm sci-fi. sure those are more fun. This this perpetrates like it's not going to be about a big alligator and then it is. Huh. And um, some hot dude is in it. I don't know. Some hot dude's in it. Yeah, well. Does it get uh, eaten by an alligator? 
No, I don't think so. Is he an alligator? Is the alligator hot? Yeah, you should see that CGI. Oh, yeah. It's like a, a giant, I don't know, it's weird. Um, <clears throat> this was almost my, my recommend. Um, it's the movie called, I think it's The Boogeyman, or maybe it's just Boogeyman. Is this the old one from, like, 1980? No. no. It's, like, two, maybe, like, two, two, 2005? I remember or maybe when the, one came out, because I remember it reminded me of the that, oh, yeah, there was a movie called Boogeyman in the 80s that I haven't watched yeah. in a really long time. Yeah. People have, every time I mention it, people ask me which one I'm talking about. Right. Um, I've not seen the one from the 80s. Oh, thank you for this Pixar ad, IMDb. I'm trying uh. to find it. It's not like I'm on the radio. Why? Uh, is it just because IMDb has, like, a monopoly over being the Internet Movie Database that they are allowed to bombard you with obnoxious ads and everything else, and their app is awful, so. and they're just awful garbage people? It wasn't... It, th- this experience I just had, stop it. I don't want to see the Dory movie. Okay, so it's, it is Boogeyman. No, the... Okay. It is from 2005. I fucking nailed that. Um well done. It's got the kid from Seventh Heaven in it. If I told you his name is Barry Watson, would that mean anything to you? Uh, vaguely, yes. But he's he's from Seventh Heaven, and that's I just know. Yeah, he, he was the the oldest brother on yeah. Seventh Heaven, right? With a shaggy '90s haircut. Yeah, and yeah. then Emily De- Deschanel. Emily De- De- Deschanel, I believe that's how yeah, you say it. Her, um, that other lady's sister. Um, so it was. It was it was kind of shockingly badly awesome. Ooh, it was it Speaking wasn't my so, language. It wasn't so bad that I was like, "This is trash," but it wasn't so great that I was like, "This is an unseen gem." It was just like, "This is weird." Ooh, it's okay. a weird movie. I think I liked it. I think I have to watch it. Yeah, it was streaming somewhere. I don't okay. know if it was I'll, on. It's probably one of the two. So. Yeah, I don't know if it was on Amazon or Netflix, but okay, either one I got. But we streamed, and I think I'm I think I'm recommending this to you. Okay, I'll you know <laughs> I'll watch it. Um, that was not my Netflix recommend though. Okay, I know twist. You are you so, are a woman of mystery. I am. I don't really like David Fincher. To say that I like David Fincher is a stretch. I like Zodiac, and even then, I think it's too long. Um, but. I remember liking the game, but I can't tell you why. Well, I, okay. So I rewatched it. Is this is, is like really it, is the punchline here? Like I think I was okay with it. I feel I, I've seen that. I saw that movie once, and my my feeling on every David Fincher film I've ever seen, other than Seven, is every David Fincher film is at least ten minutes too long. And it's this not one, even like an argument because I remember even thinking with Panic Room, I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't. Panic, a fan. There's no reason this movie had to be like just under two hours. It, it it's it's a Panic Room. Like, you, it, it, just shave it, shave it down. Every I, David Fincher movie I ever see, I want shaved. I I agree with you. And the only one I almost don't care is is um Zodiac. What's your Jake Zodiac? Because I like it. I and, like yeah, that and it's so movie. at that point if if you're gonna be that big of a movie then it's like i have i generally for me where um where movies get too long for me it's not when it goes from being 215 to three hours it's when a movie goes from what feels like it should be a 90 minute in out yeah. movie to being a two-hour movie and that's what i feel like a lot of david fincher's films no ends up as and the game is one right. of them for me i agree the game 
it felt longish, but there was stuff going on in it that I was interested enough to to be like, okay, I will keep watching this. Mm-hmm. I think we watched it in one sitting and didn't have to split it up. Um, but like, I get again, I stand, I stand by what I thought. If you know how it ends, I don't think that it ruins the fun of it. But it definitely, you don't, you know, just kind of like, okay, like I know how this is all going to end. So, so I don't right. Really so it's taking much. an awful long time to get to it. Yeah, kind of. Like I get it. Yeah. Hey, everybody, we get it. Yep. Um, that's my recommend. So I went to the theater twice last weekend and saw two sequels. One was amazing. One was garbage. Um, we saw The Conjuring too. Was it amazing or garbage? It was amazing. Yay! Was really that's good. really good to hear. Um, I like the universe that they've built in these movies. Yeah. Um, I I really do. And Did if anybody it feel ha- very um like spiritually close to Annabelle. Not as close as I would have liked, okay. but yeah. Okay, just curious, because I, I, I really, felt like Annabelle, to me, felt very much of the universe of The Conjuring. Yeah, it, for sure. Annabelle and The Conjuring movies, they're, they exist in a, in a place, and, and I, 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 I like their universe. Mm-hmm. It's the insidious movies that I'm... I am I, I don't know where they're at, okay. and I don't I know what they're trying the to do. One. I loved the third no, one. And you're the reason I want to see it, because everybody else said it was garbage, but you oh, spoke so highly I of it that really I really liked find it. it. But see, I'm one of the like, the seven people that don't love the first one. Yeah, and I did like it a lot. Yeah, so it's it might just be like, I think that that's interesting, that people who really liked the first one might not like the third one, hmm. and then vice versa. I, I guess, I don't know, the third one gave me something, the other ones didn't. That's fair. Um, and then the other sequel was Now You See Me Too. Oh, see, I'm rooting for that movie because it's directed I, by John Chu, who did Step Up 2 and 3. I know. Um, I had I have such a weird relationship with that first one. Like, I will say that I like it, but I don't think I like it. <laughs> I still haven't a, seen it. It's a bad movie. Now I haven't seen it. See. <laughs> don't see it. Um, now you don't have to. Now I don't um, have to. So you didn't like the second one. No, I almost, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, and I almost fell asleep a couple times. Huh, that's not good. Like, it was boring, mm. and it's like an exposition fest. It's huh. like, they something happens, then they explain it, then they flash back to it, and then they explain it again. Like, dude, your movie isn't that complicated. <laughs> like, come on. I don't know, Zach looked at me after, and he's like, are we wicked smart? Or is that movie <laughs> way too hard? Um. I don't know. I still, I still saw it. I that first one is bizarre and fascinating to me. Lizzie Kaplan is so fucking good in this movie. Okay, she should be in every her. movie. She does make everything better. Like it should just have been her movie. I don't like Jesse Eisenberg. Like Jesse Eisenberg, stay home. He, he, Lizzie he, he just has that. I mean, every time I see him, all I think of is like his Mark Zuckerberg character, and that's what I am convinced he is in every movie. And when he you're casting kinda, him as that, he's great. But it's like you can never ask me to like him in a movie. That's a really good point. So if he's if they ever try to cast him as the likable version of Mark Zuckerberg, that, it doesn't work. That's a problem. But when like Squid in the Whale, where you're casting him as this kind of kid who's not as smart as he thinks he is, he's great, I think. Yeah. Ugh. He's not good in this movie. Um and I rewatched Jawbreaker because I want to write something about it. Oh, yay! Nice. Yeah. I like that movie. Uh, we remember we covered that movie. We did. Yeah. Do you, do you remember? Said, we said we liked it, right? 
yes, I have a lot of problems with it because I feel like it it has everything I want in it, but it doesn't something about the pacing it's not quite as sharp or like fully honed as I feel like it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still like it. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, all right. That's all of yours. That's it. All right. So on my end, I got a couple of things. Um, rewatch for me, it was a rewatch behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. This, uh, this movie, I have a long, uh, not the movie. The D- Okay, I bought the Blu-ray a few years ago. I was all excited. I First of all, okay, here's a... Th- th- going back. I had this movie on DVD. Wow. And it had... When books. I was born. When way <laughs> back. When my great-grandfather came over from Italy. Okay, so I had Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon on DVD. The DVD had a commentary. It had a lot of deleted scenes. It was a really good DVD. I lent it to someone... I don't know who, but I don't have it anymore. No, it wasn't me. She's not alluding to it. It wasn't you. So, like, two or three years ago, I was like, you know, I really want to rewatch it. Ah, uh, you know, oh, the Blu ray is like seven bucks. I'll buy the Blu ray. So, I buy the Blu ray. Right at the time, my Blu ray player stopped, like, did this thing where it wouldn't recognize certain Blu rays. And I don't know why, there was a Region 1 Blu-ray, but for some reason, certain Blu-rays would not work with my Blu-ray player. So I'm like, okay, well, eventually, I have to update, well, I'll have to get a new Blu-ray player. Like, it is getting old one day. So, like, three years later, we finally get a new Blu-ray player. I'm all excited, can finally watch this movie again. I watch it, and then I realize, Blu-ray has no special features. Huh. I think I have the Blu-ray. I think I got it for, like, five bucks. It probably doesn't have any and special it, it's features, bare bones. Huh? And it's a shame, because the other one had, like, really funny deleted scenes. And anyway, I still like the movie. So, there's that. It's not perfect. It has its flaws. Um, but I really enjoy it. It's just fun, and I like its heart. Uh, all right. So, that was that. Um, I watched... And because this was a movie that you talked about and you, it was one of those like, oh, I need to see where I fall on it because you fell very differently from most of the internet. Uh, they look like people on Netflix Instant. Okay. I didn't know what you were, I was like, what is she talking about? Okay. Yeah, I could forget things. <laughs> I do. Um, so here's, here's the thing about this movie. I loved this movie when it was called Take Shelter. <gasps> And that's the thing. At a certain point in the movie, it dawned on me that I was watching, like, a millennial version of Take Shelter. That's... But isn't Take Shelter a millennial version of Take Shelter? Well, he's, like, old. He's... I don't think Michael Shannon... Michael Shannon is, but Jeff Nichols is, like, a... I don't know. I just always think that he's a kid. No, I think he is, yeah. I think Jeff Nichols is, like, late 30s. I think he is pretty young. Yeah. But, Maybe not but, but, well, I mean, they look like people is very specifically set in Brooklyn. See, Senorita. That one of the things I liked about it. What's that? It's one of the things I liked about it. Oh, and ultimately, it was one of those things I thought I was going to hate about it. Because I'm like, oh, it's, it's, I, you know, we talk a lot about, like, bro horror and kind of hipster horror. And this is hipster horror, isn't it? It's kind of hipster horror. Yeah, I'd say. But it's like it's hipster in a way there there is obnoxious hipster, there's try hard hipster and so on. This is one of those movies where it's like, eh, you know, the guys who made this movie, the guy's probably like thirty years old and his friends are thirty, and so that's what the his cast is gonna be. And he's gonna write characters that are this age, because that's what he knows. And I had a weird experience with this movie where 
watching the movie, I really didn't like it. I felt bored. Um, I didn't. I didn't dislike the performances or the way it was shot. I just felt bored and unfulfilled. And once it hit me that I that what it was doing was essentially very similar to Take Shelter, I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm ready for it to end. This movie's like 80 minutes long, and I was it felt it, like it dragged forever. Didn't it feel long? Yeah, and it's a short movie. It, it is a it was a very short runtime. It felt forever. It ended kind of on, and this isn't a spoiler, but it ends very somewhat um, unexcitedly. The more I thought about it, the more I kind of said, you know, if I if I think of this not as a horror movie, but if I think of it more about sort of what it means to be a man, like there's something interesting about this being about two guys who are in their like late 20s who have different issues, especially the one character who's like the put together guy who you learn who seems very confident and he works out and he's very like oh, I'm great-esque, and then you kind of start to see the chips fall, and you see, like, oh, no, he's actually really insecure. That's interesting. And as kind of a character piece and sort of an examination of, like, that type of guy, mm-hmm. it was, you know, okay, that that was inter- that was good. I just didn't like it particularly. Like, I, I can respect it, but I didn't like it. And yeah, I did I, not think it was scary. I mean, that's kind of how I felt. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we uh we are well together. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't understand why people are so head over heels for it's it. It's like I can, it kind of um, I'm trying to think of what was the last movie I felt this way about, where it was a very specific, and I don't mean to generalize like oh it was young guys that really liked this movie. Like I don't mean to generalize that, and because I mean there is movies like I have a feeling that like hashtag horror is a movie. I think would be very hard for men to connect to the way I did just because that movie to me is so comes from the place of uh, a certain woman making this movie about a certain time in a girl's life. And I kind of feel like they look like people, um, the battery spring, like a lot of these horror movies that are very specifically made by younger men and by younger, like, I'm saying, like, our age of guys, but younger filmmakers than your average filmmaker age. Yeah. Like, Generation X, Millennial. I think I can understand why that's going to very specifically appeal to a certain audience. Um, and I think that is a lot of our peers and a lot of guys our age that maybe connect to that better. Uh I don't know, and, and listeners correct me if I'm wrong or weigh in on that, because I don't mean to generalize and say, like, oh, yeah, VHS, yeah, dudes like VHS, because it's about dudes. I'm not quite saying that, but I think there is a difference with They Look Like People. It's very clearly coming from a male perspective, and it's about guys, it's made by a guy, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it's something, and I found it interesting because of that, but maybe I didn't connect to it because of that. Well, yeah, I think it's I, it, there, there. There didn't feel like there was anything for me there. Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk about why now this movie is isn't then as good as something like Take Shelter, which Jeff Nichols makes some movies yeah. about dudes. Yep. 
look at his movies. Hey, everybody, they're about dudes. Yep. Maybe there are women in it that do things. That's great. But these movies are about fathers mm-hmm. and sons and dudes. Yeah. You know what? I'm not a father or a son. Mm-hmm. I love his movies yeah. because he's a good storyteller because he... He appeals to universal themes mm-hmm. and emotions. I don't have to be somebody's son to get feelings in a, right. during a movie. Like, and I also don't need to see, like, this has been a criticism, like, for, about men watching movies about women. Like, do you really need to see yourself, literally yeah. see yourself on the screen? I don't. A long time ago, oh, sure. I learned that I wasn't going to get that very frequently. <laughs> it's cool when I do, which is why I like Labyrinth so much, probably. I was going to say, the rare places you get it tend to be in slashers. <laughs> and, and you get so you get that thing. You, you, see, you literally see a representation of yes. yourself. But I don't need, like, a character to have a vagina to be like... I really relate to her, right. but I can really relate to Michael Shannon in Shotgun mm-hmm. Stories. I don't know why, but there's something about that like perfect storm of things that makes me go, oh, I get this. And I don't care sure. that it's about a bunch of guys do- dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. But they look like people felt like, oh, I, this is something that I'm not in on. I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't. Like, I, I don't... did not have an in to this movie. I think that's a good way of saying it. There you go. Yeah, yeah I really couldn't get to a place with it where I was mm-hmm. like, "We're all talking about the same thing here." Movie, and I think it's similar to where most people have probably felt about something like hashtag horror. On the flip side yeah. of that, where with you as the exception, everybody I've heard talk about that movie <laughs> hated it and couldn't get through it, and. And I think that's a case where I can see the complete reverse of it, of, of saying, yeah, if you're not coming from a place of seeing why this is and why this is an interesting story or what's connecting you to it, yeah, it can be, you, you are probably seeing this as a really annoying, tacky horror movie. Yeah, which is, which is fine, like, but it's cool that maybe there was something that worked for me and you. Right. That didn't work for other yeah. people, like, I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's not, it's nice to have it be the flip, because sometimes <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like, this, why is, why are people so into this? It's nice to see the reverse, because it's like, well, look, here I am, I do like things. Yes, I would agree with that. I like things that nobody else seems to like, but yeah. that's okay. That's all right. Christine likes them. them. I'm not alone. <laughs> nice. Oh, cool. That's interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued that we had that. I'm, I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah. For the record, Zach didn't like it either. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. He much preferred hashtag horror because he felt like they were trying to do something different and they achieved it more successfully. Nice. Nice. That's all. All right. Another thing I watched was the updated uh, new adaptation of Roots which aired on the History Channel. It did, just recently, right? It did, yeah, about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it took me like three weeks to get through it because it's four part, four two-hour parts. Uh, now, I had watched the original series maybe sometime last year, I think, and loved it and was really one of those, I can't believe I've never seen this. I uh, th- This holds up really well. So I was curious, but I felt like, no, they, I, I saw no problem with them doing it again. Just because it's been almost 40 years since they did it, give it, do it in a way where maybe you bring in a new audience and so on. Uh, It was really interesting, really well acted, beautifully shot, well made. Um, The performance, I mean, I sobbed watching some of this. Some of the performances were so, so good. 
what was really interesting was seeing the what was different to this one than the original whereas this one felt angrier it was hmm, more violent which isn't surprising just because okay well you're gonna show more violence because the way we watch violence on TV has changed. So yeah, you're going to show a guy's arm getting cut off, which you might not have done in the 1970s. But it also had a more, um, like a more anger to the violence in a way, where in this version, I think every one of the main black characters kills a white person at some point. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of scenes where like there's realistically it's hard to believe that they would you know stab that many people before they ran away or something like that and this one had more of that and it and i think just from a kind of sociological point of view if you wanted to analyze it i think you could see a lot of reasons why it's you know it it is an angry time where we've you know the original roots was 10 years after the civil rights movement this one is now 50 years but yet you still have Ferguson and yeah. many other things going on where that anger is still there in a different way. Uh, so really kind of fascinating in a lot of ways to watch it in terms of our time versus that time. Uh, and recommended uh, to anyone, I'd recommend watching both versions. Um, probably start with the first version and watch this one and you know see how they do things differently. Um, re- really good, so... Man, it makes you feel really bad about being a white person, but... Yeah, well, some of us deserve to feel bad about that. It's true, it's true. All of my ancestors came over here after slavery, I'll have you know. So, you know, my blood is clean. I mean, probably not, but anyway, point being... I trust you, don't Yeah, it it makes you feel very bad about... Bad, yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, your recommendation. I watched that gal who was in that thing. <gasps> Yay! I loved this. This was great. Uh, and you had seen the dude version. I have not seen the dude version. Okay. I plunged right into the uh, gal version. And as soon as the first person came up and it was Detective Tanner from Pretty Little Liars, Woo-hoo! I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, and it was great. All the women, um, and it, I mean, it's, I like that they really did go for a variety of female actors. Mm-hmm. So you have actors, you know, who are in their 30s to ones who are much older. You have different, uh, you know, different races, different ethnicities, which is very amusing when some of them talk about it. And they all basically say, yep, I refuse to say my ethnicity because as soon as yeah. I do, I'm going to get labeled as that. Um, it was great to see Rose from Lost on there. I know. That was oh, great. Love seeing her. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was thoroughly entertaining and a very fun watch. I wanted more of it. It's very short. I could have done yeah. with another hour of it. Which so. is so funny because I have the opposite reaction about the dude version. Ah. It just feels like there, I wrote a review of it for, um, for, it's up on, um, Pop Shifter. Um, basically the, the, the thesis of that review is, is very simple. This felt like they had actual stuff to talk about whereas in the male version it's just them being upset that they're that or lamenting how they can never be in a leading role (laughs) and yeah and in this one it's like yeah none of these women have ever even considered the idea that they could get a leading role yeah it's there's some upsetting shit in it too oh yeah oh yeah 
But, but it's good. I'm glad you watched it. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And, you know, it's it's a topic I think both of us find very interesting is just, you know, female representation and such. Yeah. Uh, but the one woman whose name I forgot, who, um, the blonde older woman, would talk, like, the, I loved when she talked about when she went from being cast as a mother to being cast as a bitch. Yeah. She's like, so basically, I took one role where I got to be in power, and from there on, I've only been offered power bitch roles. And it, it's it's just so interesting when you see how boiled down it is. Yeah, it was very, like, cut and dry. You're either mm-hmm. this or you're this. Yep. And they're aware of it. And I, I do not understand why anybody would be an actor. And then, on top of that, I do not understand why any woman would be an actor and deal yeah. with all that. Uh, a couple more. Um, a long wait on Netflix. Uh, Peter Weir's The Last Wave, who's, I believe he made this after Picnic and Hanging Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, another movie set in Australia. This is about, um, it is set in, I mean, it's modern times, so it's the 70s, and a group of city guys with their Aborigines uh, are accused of murder, and it's the British lawyer defending them kind of gets visions and stuff. Very odd film. Uh, it sounds it. It's, and it's very hard to describe because it's, sort of, you know, courtroom investigation, except it has all of this aboriginal imagery and are there, you know, he's having dreams or visions or something. My cat, again, is coughing up a hairball. I hope that I doesn't heard. bother anybody. It's okay, Joplin. Let it out. Let it all out. Anyway. Uh, but it's it's worth watching. It. I felt it It dragged. I got, I got bored watching it. Hmm. Um... I'm usually a big fan of Peter Weir. I, I mean, he is a great filmmaker, and I think he's a very underrated filmmaker. So it's one that's definitely worth watching if you are trying, if you're interested in that era, if you're interested in Australian films, certainly. Um, wasn't my favorite, though. I definitely prefer other stuff of his. Uh, from from 1968, uh, The Night They Raided Minsky's. So this I wanted to watch because I had read... Norman Lear's autobiography, this was one of his screenplays that was turned into a film directed by a young Will Friedkin. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's it in no way feels like a Friedkin film. I think he uh, was not overly into directing it. It's a comedy. It is set during, I guess, the like 1920s vaudevillain. Vaudevillain? That's, those are wrestlers on NXT. Um, vaude, oh, vaude, vaudevillian era. Uh, great cast, Jason Robards, Britt Eklund, um, Bert Lahr, uh, other people whose names I forget. Uh, it's essentially about the birth of the striptease. Mm-hmm. So it's about the start of burlesque and everything. Um, it's cute. It's fun. It's, you know, it's slapstick and that kind of 20s humor. Uh, there are some musical sequences, which I'm not going to complain about. Uh, yeah, good, good time if you haven't seen it. So that was that. Uh, two more 1990s Memphis Bell with get this cast. You ready for this cast? Okay, I'm ready. I'm okay. I'm Matthew Modine, okay. Eric Stoltz, Sean Astin, uh, DB Sweeney, whose autograph I have somewhere when I met him drunkenly after a Met game. Um, who am I forgetting? Uh, the kid from who plays Malachi in Children of the Corn. Yep. All John right. Lithgow, David Strathern. Um, there's other guys, but most importantly, a very handsome Billy Zane. Oh, really? Yes. 
So this is set World War II. This is about um, a uh, uh, troop of military guys. I'm not using the right words. But basically they are um, they're like the bombing team on the plane and they're finishing up. They're, they're going to be the first uh, squad to have finished all of their missions safely. Essentially, so they're you know John Lithgow plays like the Life magazine reporter who's going to make them yeah. stars, but this is their last mission, so it's you know they still have to get through this one safely, and it's it's a you know a kind of um, ensemble bomber pilot movie, I guess, uh, which is normally not something I'd be overly interested in. It's mm-hmm. one of my husbands uh, is a big fan of it, so we, we felt like watching it. I really enjoyed this. Uh, it's directed by the guy who did Rob Roy and Basic Instinct 2. So, quite a That's filmography of this guy. Very, very varied filmography. Uh, Mix. I mean, it, it has, it's just such a good cast. Uh, it's a war movie that isn't glorifying war. It is very much about these young kids and this mission they have and... And it's good about showing the logistics of what it would have been like to be on this plane and all of these things that you don't, you know, especially now we don't think about, but the actual specifics of the guy that goes into that tiny little cubicle to fire when he can barely see and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was pretty good, I thought, and I enjoyed it. And it was more entertaining than I thought it would be. So that It's a hell that. of a cast. It's such a good cast, I know. And Billy Zane looks really good. <laughs> Like he's got like a little mustache. He's got oh. a bomber jacket. He's even like Brandon's like ad- admit it. Billy Zan looks good, right? I'm like, yes. I mean, yeah. And yeah, sure. What? What? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah. So that, I don't know. Uh and then last movie I watched on Instant Today and I enjoyed it. Uh Ava's Possessions. Oh, did you like it? I we've liked been dancing it. we've been dancing around it. Yeah, like. I feel like it's it's one of those that like has been shooting by on my queue all the time. So and I'd heard somebody, I think on Gentleman's Guides group, um, spoke of it positively. And I'm like, that's a pretty good cast. You got Will Sadler in there, you got Carol Kane. Uh it's it's good. It's not great. Um it's a fun tone, it's very much a horror comedy. Uh, but it's not like a goofy comedy. It just kind of takes this idea and, and finds the humor in it and the basically the idea is this girl the movie opens with her exorcism mm-hmm. she wakes up to find out she's been possessed for a month and during that month she did some really bad shit and like she doesn't know she's like oh are we going to uh lisa's birthday party they're like um no you're not really invited to that because you don't remember sleeping with her boyfriend and all those things that she did that no she didn't remember she was possessed uh and so it's sort of kind of a, you know, a play on it as if she has to go to, like, uh, Possession AA, basically. Oh. Um, so it, it, it's good? I liked it. I really enjoyed I, it. It sounds like it could be good. It's. I think it's good. Uh, it has a really good cast. Um, I wasn't in love with the ending. Uh, just I kind of just wanted something different from the end. Mm-hmm. But it's enjoyable. Um it's unique. It's a story that you know... The, it's like you know the first part of the story. You never think about the second part of the story. 
And this is a film that kind of took that idea. And it's like, okay, well, let's use that as a springboard to kind of explore different things. Oh, that's um, cool. So yeah, I've maybe I, maybe I will. It's been on my queue, and we've we've hovered over it. Keep and it been go. Like, it's also yeah. pretty short. Also set in New York and set in Brooklyn, so you can get that fix in. Uh, I'll be and I'll be really curious what you think of it too. Ooh, fun. Okay. Yeah. All right, those are my movies. So why don't we take a break and come back? Do you have a? What do you want to do? You want to go chronological? Was would that put the Lords of that Salem would put first? The Lords of Salem first. Um. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So that means we need to. Um, let's see. Uh, I need a little bit of time because I need to dread my hair. Uh, all right. I'll go grab something to eat. All right. All right. We'll be back. An old friend of mine His sister came over She was out of her mind She said Jesus had a twin Who knew nothing about sin She was laughing like crazy And troubled Her light eyes were dancing says she's just a bitch with the golden chain she keeps coming closer saying I can feel it in my bones alright 2012 Sure. Said with a said in upspeak because I don't know if I'm right. Uh, Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem. So mm-hmm. this is his first film after Halloween Part Two, I believe. Yep. I I think so too. When when I was talking about it, I kept referring to it as such. So yeah. So he, you know he Rob Zombie comes out and makes uh, he makes House of a Thousand Corpses, which is not well received, but is clearly his movie. He follows it up with Devil's Rejects, which is very well received. Then he gets to do Halloween, which is very mixed reception, but made money. Yep. He does, follows that with Halloween too, which I still think was him deliberately sabotaging it so that he would be free of it. Uh, and then he, and I think it's very clear when he did Lord, the Lords of Salem, he wanted to go back to making his own thing. His own thing might kind of be uh, an amalgam of other things that he really likes, but it's clearly his own movie. Mm-hmm. So, Christine, why don't you tell the fine people at home what The Lords of Salem is about? Okay, so... While my cat coughs up another hairball. It's, I'm, it was filmed in Salem. Yes. Like, they're there. So, it's in Salem. It's a, it's a lady... We'll call her Sherry Moon Zombie, because that's who it is. Um, she works... Oh, I just hit my mic. She works at a radio station. Um, I mean, I guess she's got kind of a, a solitary existence. 
Um, well, she has a dog. She has an awesome fucking dog. She, she seems to be doing okay, though. Like, and I'm into it. She works at this radio station with Ken Forey, which is great. Mm-hmm. And some dude that kind of, to me, looks like um, that one dude was wicked hot, but it wasn't him. I'll, I'll get it. Don't worry. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you who I mean later. I- I'm here all um, night. So, but then they get this record delivered to her and they play it and, like, she gets all weird and then they play it on the air at the radio station and other people get all weird and then there's this backstory of these witches and witch stuff happens. <laughs> Basically, it's a story about witch stuff. It's a witch I stuff have a, story. I have a lot of feelings about this movie. I would, I would be upset if you didn't. Aw, thanks. Now, this was not your first time watching it, right? No, it was. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, wow. I assumed you had seen it before. Mm-mm. These were two, both of these I'd never seen before. Okay, this was my second time. I We had rented Lords of Salem. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was our second go around. We watched it a couple years ago on DVD. Um, I pretty much have the exact same feelings I had after the first watch, okay. but I'm really glad I watched it again because I've, since I watched it, I'd, I've said, I'll be really curious to see where I stand when I see it again. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it again, I'm like, yep, I have the same problems with it and the same compliments to it that I had the okay. first time. Okay. So you tell me, as this was your uh, first time with it, okay. what were you expecting and what did you get? I was expecting absolute garbage. Okay. Um, but somebody whose opinion I really cherish really likes this movie. Mm-hmm. So I... I was like, okay, well, there's hope then. And that's why it's kind of always been back there as like, a, this is an option of something that might not be awful. Right. Because I, I I, know it's weird to me that people have differing opinions on rejects and corpses, because to me, I get that they're totally completely different, but they're both to me the same movie, and I have the same feeling about both of them, which is basic indifference. Um, okay. I'm like, they, they, they both exist. I know what they are. I know what he did. I don't ever need to look at them again because, like, they're 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 fine. Like, go over there and be a movie. Now, <laughs> how Halloween? I have huge problems with. Do you have problems the whole way through with Halloween? Yes. Okay. Halloween two is offensively bad. But I mean, uh, yeah. See, my my feelings on his first four. I'll go roughly. I think House of a Thousand Corpses feels very much like he's making a giant music video and he's throwing everything at you. And Brandon actually oh, made a really good point. There you are. You House disappe- of a Thousand Corpses disappeared. What? Oh, I, I disappeared for like a long time. <gasps> oh no! I, I've been here in your heart the whole time, Christine. I, I knew. I knew you'd never oh, leave dear. me. Uh, I was just running through my thoughts on the four. Okay, I, d- I didn't hear any of that. Okay, so how, I'm so, sure it's exactly the same as It's I'm a kidding. little different, actually. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses, I can see what he tried to do. I, I kind of like that he threw everything at the wall. Yeah. Brandon made a really good observation about it, which is, he said, you know what the movie is? The movie is a dark ride. The movie is you walking into a haunted house and it just being things thrown, you, you know, you're in your little car and you go by a picture of this and a sound effect of that and everything. And that's what it is. And I don't enjoy it. And I don't, I've watched it once and I don't really want to revisit it because I found it annoying, but I respect certain things about it. Devil's Rejects, I think is miles better. I think he took the, some of the criticism.
producing actors and directing actors. Uh, but it still suffers from being so indebted to the movies that he's celebrating that does it quite feel like its own thing? I don't know. Halloween, I, I'm i okay with his first half of it because I feel like, eh, he tried to bring something different to it from then on as far as it just being redneck horror. Uh, but I hate the second half. I feel like the second half is just Halloween told in 30 minutes and it doesn't work. And Halloween 2, I had... I hated and was baffled by when I saw it in the theaters. I have since come to think, you know, I think he was trying to do something very different where I think the original plan was Lori is the killer in Halloween 2. And that would have been cool. But that's not what we get. And instead, it's just a mess. So that's where I stand. All right. Let's try this again. Okay. Uh, so you, Halloween 2, we agree, is a mess. You yes. expected a mess. Did you get a mess? Um, not completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Which is, which is frustrating. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, it's, I, I, a couple of years ago, I remember, um, having a conversation about this. Rob's we I root for Rob Zombie. I think we all do. Rob Zombie is us. Rob Zombie was a horror fan. Right? Rob Zombie loves horror movies and wants to just make the movie he wants to watch and that we want to watch. And he's come so close. Mm-hmm. Damn it. He just doesn't quite get there every time. Yes. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. Oh, so so I don't mind movies that are, like, heavily rever- referential. Or things where you can say, like, well, I know what he's right. doing. Because that's a bit of a Tarantino thing. And it's like, kind of a... It's a very modern artist... It's like an our generation thing in a lot of ways. Yeah. We're like, yeah, I mean, we, we you can't not wear your influences on your sleeve. It's very hard to... Because hmm. you've... Most people make movies because of very specific other people that made movies. Yep. And sometimes it's impossible to not show that in your work. And that's, and for, again, that's not an immediate deal breaker for me. That's okay. Like, I like that I can watch this and be like, oh, it feels very blah. Ken Russell and The Shining. Ken Russell and Stanley Kubrick. It, it did. It was very Kubrickian. It yep. really, really was. Um, Zach said Rosemary's Baby, which I got a, some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was... There was a lot of stuff that it was like, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. So my, I think the way to sum this up the best is my takeaway was, I wish this was his first movie because this is a good first movie. It's, it's (laughs) overlong. It's meandering. It's a little, I'm going to throw everything at the wall and hope most of it sticks. It's a movie that if I had seen, <clears throat> um, you know, a decade ago... You would have said, I want to see where the, what this guy can do. Ooh, what is he going to do next? With a little maturity with a little yep. bit of criticism under his wing. Like, where is he going to go? This is amazing. But it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's a fifth movie. We're, yeah. we're, we're not there. Um, and and it's frustrating that, that he's doing this, this now, I guess. And... and it did, and I, I tweeted this like 
well, I thought we were going to make it the whole runtime, but he pulled some Rob Zombie shit. There was, <laughs> there was some serious Rob Zombie shit at the end. The, like, the slow motion Sherry Moon Zombie in a metal t-shirt riding a goat. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, yes, exactly that. That's exactly what I mean. Because that's exactly what that is. That's some bullshit. Yeah. See, that's for some, me, the thing about this some, movie... Are you 15 making a movie right. with girlfriend bullshit yes and even like the the one other thing is like the second shot of this movie being sherry moon's butt which we know rob zombie loves his wife's ass and it's kind of adorable how much he loves his wife's like, ass it's fine. she's she she her she was good in this oh i think she's great in this yeah i know people out there hate her and i think it's so unwarranted and i think in this movie i think she's genuinely giving a good performance i think so too it started and i was like okay well i'm excited that one she's not being um michael myers mom right and two she's not being baby firefly i'm excited that both of these things aren't happening like this seems like a character huzzah and i was so excited and then like it was slow and it was like oh wait a second this is there's another lady and another lady and this is just about ladies and oh so sherry moon's character i guess heidi is her name mm-hmm. is um is like like shit's happening and then i start to think like it gets like there's some like body horror stuff to it like I, th- this is all okay. I'm I'm okay with all of this. I'm okay if this is not literal. I'm okay if it mm-hmm. is. I'm okay with the witch flashbacks, even though they seem a little overlong, but they seem like they, they have a point. Okay. I'm okay with all of it. I am seriously okay until we get to that, I'm not even going to say final third. No, I know. Final, maybe ten minutes. Until the finale. And I I feel exactly the same way. (laughs) I'm fine once they get to the theater. Right. I'm I'm, like, okay, where are we going to go now? Oh, now we're just going to go to Rob Zombie's music video for 10 minutes. Yep. And it gets like, like, what child decided that this was going to happen? And I know that might sound really harsh and really offensive, but that's what it felt like. And I would forgive it. If it was, if dude was 27 and this was his first full length feature, but this is not his first time doing this. Right. And it got really frustrating. Again, that being said, there is so much in this movie that was wildly successful to me. Yep. The thing about this movie that I, and I thought I felt this way the first time, and this time I was like, yep, definitely. I would have genuinely loved this movie if it was a straight narrative tale. Mm-hmm. All of the Bruce Davison stuff, love it. Mm-hmm. All of the, here's this mystery, here are these three He's witches. really good at it. He's so good at it. And, and I love, and like, it's one of those things that I think um, is, is where I get so angry because he's really good. His character is, he just, his presence is so nice and warm And, like, the scenes with him and his wife is Maria Maria Conchita Alonso for no real reason. And I think part of the reason, I think there was probably, again, cut stuff with them. Yeah. But it's, like, this really nice touch of I get to see this couple who are really warm with each other, who are really sweet, uh, who are interesting. It's just this, like, nice little touch in a movie like this that's one of those things that shows what Rob Zombie, like where he has these talents. He has a great talent for 
you know, kind of like a Tarantino-esque talent of pulling these actors who haven't seen Mm -hmm. him forever and giving them something different to do that you haven't seen them do before. And that's great. And I am so invested in this movie, in the story. I think it's a great idea. Very simple. Descendant of a Salem uh, judge who Mm -hmm. end up being the beacon of, you know, where all these witches are going to get their revenge through. This idea of all the women in town uh, being punished for it. Okay, that's cool. You have, like, essentially you have a historian who's kind of trying to solve this. Uh, yeah. your, your Your lead is a recovering drug addict, so there's this added element. And I am into the story, and then the story just says, ah, we know why you, re- you really came here to see wacky shit, right? So let's just give you ten minutes of wacky shit. Movie over. And it's frustrating, because if... You know, you want... I'm all for directors experimenting and doing different things. And this is a case where it's... That was the the mistake was doing... Was trying to be uh, something unique. Or trying to just say, I'm now I'm going to Ken Russell this shit out and give you, yeah. you know, a, a mind fuck for the last ten minutes. When you worked so hard to tell this really interesting story. Mm-hmm. Or maybe your mind fuck should have been a little bit better. Well, that too. Yeah. And <laughs> like, if that was the choice, then, yeah. then fine. But you're right. What, there was so many interesting things, mm-hmm. good, good choices in this. Like Senator Kelly, whose name you just said and I can't remember. But he's Senator Kelly in the first X-Men movie. Bruce um, Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, oh, I always he, want to say Bruce Dern, who I think at one point was going to be in that part. So. I, I, that's what Zach said when he was yep. reading things to me. Because I'm a literate. Because <laughs> you can't read. No, I can't. You can write, so, but you can't read. It was really great. So here's the thing that a lot of a lot of movies of let me just say of this ilk and be very broad will do. They will have like lots of ladies and mm-hmm. very lady centric cast, and then all the men will be awful. Right. You really run that risk of them being rapists yep. or underhanded mm-hmm. or like they're actual behind it all along, yeah. you know. But no, he like legit wanted to like. Be helpful and find things out. Yeah. And her friend at the radio station, who uh, is clearly in love with her. Alfred Molina. But it's not... Uh, Hot young (laughs) He is hot, younger Alfred Molina. It's not this, like, uncomfortable him pining for her. Like, no, like, at one point you realize, like, no, she kind of loves him too. Like, they're, they're just friends, and it's sweet. And so you have... You're right. That's a really nice thing this movie does is... It doesn't throw away any of its characters. And there's a, an interview that um, I'd gotten, like, some random notes on from different sources. And one was a guy talking about him interviewing Rob Zombie. And something Rob Zombie said was that he he likes to identify with all of his characters and put a little bit of himself in all of his characters. Mm-hmm. And I think you can kind of... I think that makes a difference here where... There are no stock villains. There's, you know, Ken Foray is a real guy. And and also all these characters that, that are a little kooky or a little wacky are all people. Like, And there's a humanity to all of them. And I appreciate that. And it makes it more frustrating when the movie doesn't in the end. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and I would have taken a movie just about the three witches. <gasps> How amazing was Dee Wallace oh in this? Oh my god, Dee Wallace is so cute in this. She's and she's, she's so having mean. so much fun in this. So part. mean and yeah. like, oh, and I mean, you know, it's your typical three witches. 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's Dee Wallace, so Patricia good. Quinn from um, Rocky Horror, and Judy Greason. Greason. And oh, I don't. Yeah, they're like all playful and sinister but cute about oh, it and they serve tea so good and it's like the scene with bruce davison and them where again you're oh. like you love him so you, you're worried for him but it's also really fun to hear them talk dirty to him their their scenes are are easily the best and honestly yeah. i didn't i didn't see it coming like i wasn't it, it didn't seem obvious it seemed no i agree and and which was nice. Yeah. So when it did happen, you're like, of course, this is what's right. happening. Oh, but it did seem like, and it, it did have, you know, that was very Rosemary's baby. Like mm-hmm. all of oh, them yes. witches. Yeah. Like, guess what? <laughs> they were here all the whole time. Witches be witches. It's it was cool and fun, and I wish that, yeah, I wish that it was all like that. That he just I trusted do... that that this movie yeah. had strengths, and you know he the, directed I... these women great, yeah. and he wrote them great and the movie if the movie had utilized that in its last you know final climax that's the movie i wanted yeah and and i think that um i don't know so (laughs) it's 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 a little frustrating i don't i don't think that the choices made with sherry moon's character is they're bad choices. I I think that it would have been a little bit cooler if she had become more actualized. But I get what he was doing, and the fact that you have these other three witches who are much more active mm-hmm. and and have you know are much more like realized characters. It's okay that maybe the Sherry Moon character is kind of sad because it's yeah. not at that at that level. It's not like his feelings about women or they are sad because he. The universe is populated with other types. Yeah, and it's very specific, the drug addict aspect to it. Yeah. That she's recovering, you know, so she's in this place from the, for the whole movie where, you know, you could see that, okay, she's, she's doing better. And we don't see her, and I like that the movie doesn't, I think it establishes that well. It doesn't have to show needle marks on her arm or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit of drops and then, like, a quick scene of her clearly in a meeting where it establishes, like, oh, yeah, okay, she's a recovering drug addict. And so, again, I, th- I don't think the movie's sharp enough to really use that as an analogy at the end. I think this could have been a case where... You know, you could have had this whole thing and, and thought to yourself, oh, is this really happening or is it just, is she back on drugs? But you never feel that way. I don't think this movie ever wants you to think that. And I wonder if it did want you to think that, to make it more ambiguous, just because, again, like you're saying, she does lose her agency so much in that back half. Yeah. There just comes a point where she just kind of gives up. And you understand it, because, I mean... Yeah, I, and and it's fine that that's the story. Like, so I I'm okay with that. I don't need it. I don't need it to have been something else. Right. But but then what it what it what it comes into is a little. It, yeah. What, what it what it really ends up doing at the very very end is is not good. It just turns into something not good, and then it ends in in it's almost like how do I not let that color the way I feel about the rest of this movie? Yeah. Especially when you think of how it ends. And I mean, we're, we're talking around it, but we're going to kind of spoil it just because I 
think I, I don't know. It's it, a. It's not like there are big twists to it. I think you kind of see where it's going when you watch it. Um, but I'll, I'll talk around it a little bit. But let's the other women that it brings in at the very end. Yes. So early in the movie, when Sherry Moon is first playing this record that's mysteriously given to her. You see that it affects her, and there's kind of a montage of other women in town who are listening to it and sort mm-hmm. of stopping what they're doing. And you don't know what it means yet, but it's just clearly this is having an effect on the women that are listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then an hour and ten minutes goes by of other things happening. We never get back to any of these other women. We never think about them again. And then at the very end, we find out that the women are involved again at the very end. Yeah. And that, to me, is such an issue for this movie. Because, A, that's really interesting. Again, the whole setup of... I've always liked the whole... um, Especially Salem Witch Trials, the whole... Your ancestors... You know, not your ancestors. It's the opposite of your ancestors. Your descendants paying for the crimes of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. And, like, with Salem in particular, like, Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote um scarlet letter and uh house of seven gables who wrote the scarlet letter in part as an apology for the fact that his grandfather was one of the judges at salem that Mm -hmm. he always felt this guilt of this awful thing that his family name was a part of and like that's interesting but we don't know in any way how that affects heidi because we we know her name but we never get to hear her talk about being the descendant of a salem witch yeah Uh, all of these other women were kind of led to believe, based on the facts, and it is specific, and I caught that this time, that Maria Conchita Alonso listened to the music and is unaffected by it. Yes. Uh, And Bruce Davison says, oh, my wife isn't a local, she's from Venezuela. So we're led to believe that the only women that are affected, and they kind of say this in the end, are women who are, you know, lifeies of of Salem, where their their ancestors can trace back to the witch trials. Mm Mm-hmm. But you you can't set that up without explaining it and then tack it on at the very end and expect that to hit. I don't know what you're saying with it then. And it's a shame because you could be saying something with it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. It's, it's just frustrating because I feel like there's there's a lot of really good things here. And, and I don't know why other than him really wanting to, you know, make his own Ken Russell movie, but uh, he clearly spent a lot of time setting this up. I think Rob Zombie even wrote his own novelization of it that yeah, was published. Yeah, Zach was talking about that, too. Yeah, um, I'd be curious apparently to read he, it. He what? Apparently he did write it. Okay. Apparently it's very long. I'm sure it is, because I'm sure there was a lot here, and based on the fact that, like, we can rattle off a dozen name of actors who are not in this movie but filmed scenes for it. Yeah. You know, and I think it's my understanding based on what I know of his other four films, every one of his films did that, where I think he's too ambitious at the start. Uh, his script is probably always 100 pages longer than the finished product ends up being. He casts people, he films them, he cuts the scenes, they don't make sense. Then Mm -hmm. you're missing tiny bits of other pieces when you put it all together without them. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the kind of filmmaker he is, he's an, he's an excess filmmaker, I guess. Uh, But he, but, but this, this one didn't feel like it was lacking cohesion. 
It really didn't. It's a tight, well-done story. So Zach said something about it getting chopped up, like, without him. Like, I it got edited. Really? Yeah, I don't know. But again, this is just all hearsay because I didn't actually read this. <laughs> um, it can't. got I can't read. So it got chopped up quite quite a bit into something that wasn't his initial vision. So maybe whoever did that is awesome, if that's the case. <laughs> True. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I would if this ever came out in a deluxe director's cut three-hour edition, I would I'd be watch curious it. to watch it. I would. Yeah, because I would want to see if he put everything in there, did it work? Maybe mm-hmm. it did. It's possible. It could. Yeah. Uh, but just as it is, it's it's, you know... And again, I actually like it. Like, I do enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy watching it. it. It just frustrates me because of how good it could be and how good it isn't. I, it's my favorite Rob Zombie movie. I would agree with that. It is the only of his movies, not only is it my favorite, it is the only one that I would actively rewatch. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to rewatch House of a Thousand Corpses. Devil's Rejects, I like, but I really don't want to watch it again. Uh, the Halloweens are I I do not enjoy. Uh, yeah. Whereas this one, yeah, if this were on, I'd, I'd watch it. That dog, how great is that dog? So great. I like her apartment. I like her, and I like that they give her t- like the fact that they give her a dog is very. It's very smart on his part, I think, because it instantly makes her a, a little likable. Because yeah. you know she's got this really sweet dog that's devoted to her and. You know, it's like just this like little thing that makes you gives her something that makes you identify with her or kind of yeah. you know connect to her. I guess uh, I don't like the whole her. I have no problem with opening on her sleeping naked, but girl, do you know any woman that would go to sleep naked but wearing knee socks? No, it's like going to sleep naked but wearing your bra. No woman does it. Knee socks. <laughs> I don't Some like, to, like to sleep in their socks. I'm not judging I, you. I can't you. do it. I, can't I don't do like it. to. But knee, not even socks. Like, oh, I was cold, so I had socks on. No, knee socks that come up to your knees that are tight around your knees that you do not fucking go to sleep in. Yeah, I know. It's weird. They would have been down around our ankle. I don't know. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's clearly a choice that they made, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. But I have, again, I have no criticism of this movie until. That last few minutes. Me too, pretty much. So the rest of it, I'm there. I'm, and even the the kind of crazy imagery that comes before that, I'm fine with because it's you know, you're setting up that she's having visions or maybe she isn't, maybe she's dreaming. All of that's working until it just devolves into we're just going to do this for ten minutes and expect yeah. you to think it's awesome. Yeah. I'm okay with the days of the week. It's it's. I mean, it's clearly just an, a nod to The Shining. But I always like when movies do that because it always makes things intense and makes me like, oh my god, Friday's coming! Something's going to happen on Friday! I'm, I'm yep. easily, I succumb to that. I'm simple that way. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those movies I sigh at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. And I'm glad I watched it again. And I, I did not mind watching it again. I just... I just still want a different movie is all. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have much more to say? I don't think I have. I think we covered it all. Yeah. I think I've said my piece. Um, I feel as though I've re- re- 
represented my feelings about this movie appropriately. Good. I am going through my notes. Love the dog. Love Bruce Davison. Love the witches. Yeah. Those those three men. I really wish he would just make them a movie. It's, yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. And, it, and he really... And I don't think he gets enough credit for it. Rob Zombie is really good at getting these older actors who were very associated with genre films in an older in, in an earlier time and yeah. giving them something different. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. And I wish he would like it as much as I did. Yeah. All right. So quality of film. That's a hard one. These are hard ones. These are really hard. Are really hard so- ones on his. Um, for me, I'm going to go quality of film. I'm going to give it a six. How much do you let that end affect it? That's where it's... A, I think without without the... If it ended, I don't know, if it resolved stuff and ended... Integrated if it stuff ended it without the... The, the jerking off of dildos, yeah. I would give, I'd probably give this movie like an eight. Yeah, I'd probably be up in like seven and a half territory. I guess I have to go, I'm going to go 6.5 then. Okay. Because that end does exist. Yeah, and it just, it, it's one thing when, um, you know, I, I can like a movie in spite of its ending. I can think of a lot of movies where I, you know, I like it up until the last two minutes or so on. And I can still like that movie in spite of that, mm-hmm. this movie makes it really hard because it does significantly change and turn into a different movie. And it leaves you having watched a different movie than you watch for 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, enjoyment of life. Uh, I'm going to go higher because I really enjoy watching this. Um, I'm going to go 775 for that aspect. Mm. Eight. Okay. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. It's I'm having a real right? hard time with this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, D. Wallace really ups it. I'm telling you, she's so much fun in this. <sighs> she's amazing. Yeah. But, all right. So that's our frustrated frustrations and many other things on the Lords of Salem. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and come talk about. I want to hear you say it. We are still here. We are still here. Yeah. And I want everybody at home to practice saying that and see if they have as much trouble as we do. We'll be right back. Good times and bum times. I've seen them all in my dear. I'm still here. Plush velvet sometimes. Sometimes just pretzels and beer But I'm here I've stuffed the dailies In my shoes Strummed ukuleles Sung the blues Seen all my dreams disappear But I'm here I've slept in shanties Guest of the WPA But I'm here Danced in my scanties Three bucks a night was the pay But I'm here 
I've stood on red lines with the best. Watched while the headlines did the rest. In the depression, was I depressed nowhere near? I met a big financier, and I'm here. I've been through Gandhi, Wally, and Windsor's affair. And now on to 2015s. We are still here. We're still here. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Written and directed by Ted Giogahan. Giogahan. Yep. Jorgigan? Jorgigan? Yep. All of that. How would, you, how would you say that, honey? Gigigan? Brandon says Gigigan. I think he's just making no, up yes. things now. So yeah, um, Ted. Directed, All of this is right. Directed by Ted. Uh, you chose this movie. I did. What uh, What led you to this one? People like this movie. People did really like it. This had, um, I think, a very limited theatrical release last year. Uh, look, I don't want to make you jealous, but I'm friends on Facebook with Barbara Crampton. I am really jealous. I love her. I, a lot of people are, but I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I heard, I saw her talking about it, and people talking to her about it, and so it was like crazy on my radar. And the cover of this fucking movie looks so good. That is a great cover. And so I heard people talking about it. And you're right. It got like a tiny theatrical, right? That's what I, you said. I, I think so. It might have been a VOD slash theatrical, mm. but it was one of those ones where everybody was talking about it before it was available on DVD. Yeah. So it was it was out there enough where people were seeing it maybe at festivals and the like and yeah, so on. Yeah. But yeah. And so it popped on instant and for some reason I had it in my head that it was maybe a little too heavy to kind of just pop on randomly okay. on like a Wednesday night. I don't know why I had that impression. And so I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. So I thought, um, well, I would like to watch that and if I, if I pick it, I'm forced to. That this is true. That, that is <laughs> so, the way it works. So Although, otherwise, I, I, I do send D. Wallace to your house to put a spell on you. So <gasps> that would be okay. That would be kind of be awesome, actually. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. And I had heard very good things about it. And as soon as it came on instant, I put it on my queue. And then, like yeah. a day later, you're like, "We're going to cover that movie now." So oh, cool. I'm glad yeah, that worked I would have watched it anyway. Uh, and again, for me, it was just hearing good word of mouth, seeing Barbara Crampton associated with it, and seeing Larry Fessenden on there. Because yeah. he's just, I, I, I like I like him. I feel like he's like a, you know, good fairy godfather to the young horror filmmakers of the world. And he kind of, when he kind of participates in a movie, he's sort of giving it a stamp of approval of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you give us a quick synopsis of this one? Okay, so um, I think when we actually talk about it, we're probably going to spoil, quote-unquote, it. It's possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, like, just just in when we talk right now, it's about... So it's about these two folk who would be um, Barbara Crampton and, and this dude. The Sikettis. They move, they move into this, like, old farmhouse-type thing, Um Upstate New York? You know, the IMDb says New England, but I could have sworn they also said upstate. That they, part of it is they, they talk about the restaurant in town is called like Buffalo Bill, so I kind of yeah. was assuming Buffalo. I know it was filmed in New York. Um, so I'm going to say upstate New York. 
Yeah, I thought I for some reason I was really hung up on that. I know I shouldn't be, but for some reason I really was. Oh, but anyways, they 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 move into this this house. They've recently lost their son. Um, creepy stuff starts happening. Mm-hmm. Lisa Marie shows up. And it's not it. enough to save this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Tip in your hat. <laughs> Sorry. I have to ask you a really important question. About Lisa Marie? I love her. No. Okay. Uh, At what point did you realize this movie was set in the 1970s? Um, I'm still not sure that that's the case. Thank God. Okay. Because I really... So about halfway through the movie, I I dawned on me that they had like a a dial phone. Yep. And there was a moment where like when they, they go out and... Like other characters are coming to the house, and I'm thinking, oh, why didn't they call them? I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, this movie's doing that that kind of cool thing where they're sort of just not acknowledging modern technology, which actually but, Lords of Salem kind of does too. Where you know what? So to talk about how they kind of they're kind of very they're very interesting companions. So that's one of the things. Yes, clearly we clearly it's. It's it's a it's a Rob Zombie aesthetic, I think, at this point. I, I think so too, because cell phones it, don't look good in Rob Zombie's character's hands, so he doesn't use it, them. So, and it's it is it's got a like a like a seventies vibe yes. to it. But I don't think Lord, Lord, Lords of Salem is any un, under any illusions that it's not modern, right? Like I it mean, is very it's, specifically it's, Bruce Day, even though. Like when Maria Conchita Alonso is saying, "Oh, I recorded the radio show," and it's like a cassette tape radio that he plays, mm-hmm. but then a scene later he's researching using a Mac. So, yeah, it it knows where it is, but it's a it's like a it's a style choice. It's right. like a and visual I'm fine with that. Choice. It's not a you know a movie like it's because there's no moment where you're watching it and you're distracted by the fact that all they need to do is take their cell phone out and they could be fine. Exactly. It's cons- it's consistent too. Yes, and I'm fine it's with that. It's a consistent choice. So in this movie, while I say that yes, it is also consistent, I am not sure if it was a similar choice or if this literally was set in a different time. Oh no, period. it is. And it is. yes, because at the very end of the movie, they're clear. showing newspaper <gasps> reels. You're right. You're right. And it's very every thirty years, this thing happens. I did never see. And it's set up so that you're like, oh, yeah, it's 1970 when that happened. I, now, in a way, this movie, I didn't realize it for a very simple reason. The character and what I like, the, to me, one of the strongest things about this movie, you're, the characters of this movie aren't young people. They're, it's a married couple in their early I 50s. Knew, well, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, Emily's going to like this so much. Emily, shit. It, there are certain things about this movie that were very like designed for me, one of which, this is a movie about grown-ups. And I like horror movies about grown-ups. I've seen hundreds of horror movies about teenagers and 20-somethings. I have seen dozens of horror movies about grown-ups. So I like horror movies about grown-ups. And with this one, because your cast is in their 50s, it's not like they're wearing new fashion or dating themselves. Like, And the clothes these characters are wearing are, you know, because when you're in your early 50s, you're not necessarily hip to the trends. You're going to, you know, probably look the same way you will in 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. When Lisa Marie and Larry Fessenden come in, they're presented as being these very hippie, stoner, you know, new age characters. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that said 70s to me about that because you could have that now if you were, if, you know, I know people in their 50s who smoke a lot of pot and 
you know, kind of live in a sort of hippie existence. And they look exactly like the characters in this movie in 2016. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And so it's kind of, it didn't bug me. I just felt really dumb when at some point I looked up something that was like, assuming it was very obvious that it was the 70s. And the other thing is, I have no idea why they made that choice in this case. Because I think it, what do you think? Unlike Rob Zombie, I think it might be to justify the aesthetic and the desire to not have easy contact and easy answers. I mean, it's another good example of, of this as we we're talking about is It Follows, which specifically pulls from past and present and future so that it's very disorienting and you're never set in a time period. Uh, in this case, mm-hmm. I think I think it might have been the aesthetic. I think it may have been this film is clear. This filmmaker probably is doing a kind of Sentinel and other movies that maybe influenced it. And it kind of maybe felt natural then to have mm-hmm. a, a look that was more seventies. I, I can't, the fact that I'm so distracted by it to me is something of a problem because I, I, I don't know. I, maybe if it had just had a placard at the beginning that said 1976, I would have thought about it once and forgotten about it. But it just really? bothered me that I had to, that it like, I had to realize it and it just seemed distracting once I did. And I, I don't, I, maybe that's my fault. I don't know. Um, I definitely thought about it. Okay. It was, it was something that I, I wondered, but there is a, there is an aspect of me that wasn't buying so much of this that I didn't care. Okay. So what were you not buying? I didn't like it. You just didn't. At <laughs> um, what point? It I'm was, curious, was there a certain point where you were like not working for me? Because this movie does have pretty, very specific acts, I guess. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. Pretty quick. There's something about the pacing. It's a very um, odd pacing. Which that, I I like the. I'm a, I'm a fan of movies that kind of surprise you with pacing in a way. So this movie, it starts yeah. off very slow. It's these characters that are mourning the death of their son. Things are weird, but you don't quite know how weird they are. And then, you know, new characters come in and all of a sudden, crazy violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was cool with that because it was genuinely surprising to me. I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. we're, I'm in a different movie now. This is kind of cool. And then it turns into a really different movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I will say I, I can, I don't, I didn't, didn't enjoy it, but, and I think I already commented somewhere on the internet that you saw, this to me is like a movie where I go like, oh, this wasn't for me, I'll, mm-hmm. but I'll be checking in on you later, because there's a lot there that is like thumbs Definitely. up, but the execution of it this time for me was not awesome. Yeah. Barbara Crampton was great, oh, she's but the so acting good. for me was not yeah. Was not good. Um, she was fine. She, and she's always, and she's somebody that I think doesn't get enough credit. She, I mean, she did a lot of, she was kind of a Stuart Gordon muse for a while. So she yeah. did a lot of genre movies, has always been very seemingly like gung ho about she'll, you know, she'll do crazy parts. She'll do crazy nudity. She'll do crazy violence. And there's also something that she, she can be really likable. I think she's a very, uh, talented and underrated actress and yeah. she's great in this and uh, you know you feel for her immediately she's sad you understand why you're with her 
uh, her husband character is is I don't know what was there's something missing from him. Yeah. Um, when it's it's such a small cast, and yet the cast doesn't fully pop for me. I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then my biggest issue on this, and I kind of said this in the same thread I think you were in. So this movie, it, not not spoiling, but we eventually find out this town is cursed. Uh, it has something to do with this house, has something to do with the townspeople, uh, many generations of it. It's all about the town. We meet the town an hour into the movie. We see one part of town for about two minutes. We get to know... No characters in town, but the movie's actually about the town. Mm-hmm. That was really problematic to me. Because yeah. this is a, you know, when you're dealing with a haunted community, you need to know the community. And, and no time that to spend stuff on that. Worked for the most part. There was just a lot of. Um, a lot of nothing really happening. But and and I think there could have been more work. Like when the creepy old guy from the town would show up. A lot of murder she wrote. Oh really? The whole time I'm like, what have I seen this guy in? Look at IMDb. He's been in like hundreds of things, but he's been in like eight episodes of Murder She Wrote. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's it. So he was he like was effectively vague and weird. I liked him. I liked the scene where he's just talking and won't stop. Yeah, like more of that. Like. But I get, I get. Maybe it was supposed to be like a smaller, more insular movie, which is fine. But this is where then my my preference is not to have that happen in this movie because it's not what the the story's about. The story, at its heart, at its core, is not about those two people losing their son. It's in a no bigger way. story yeah. than that. So you can't be as insular as they were trying to be. And, and yeah. tell the story that they were actually telling. If they were telling the story of their son and the loss of their son and their relationship with Lisa Marie and maybe something's going on and what's happening, and then on the outside this town stuff was happening, that's also not what they did. Right. And and I'm very unclear on what part the son played in all of this. Yeah, me too. Because, and again, I'm not spoiling, but the end of the movie, the son is a part of this in some some manner maybe <laughs> the fact that this happened to them may explain some of what happens to the people in town and not to them uh yeah. the very last shot has something to do with the son but yep we're not really ever and again i i don't always need i'm not against ambiguity i don't always need every Me answer neither but it's unsatisfying. And there's a difference between yep. being ambiguous and being unsatisfying. And this one is the latter. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I also... I don't... How much can I say? Uh, how much am I allowed to say? I don't know. If you if you want to give a spoiler alert, and then we can say whatever we want. Okay, so spoiler alert Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert-ish. I don't think it affects the way that you view this movie, but okay. spoiler alert. Okay. So... I like a helpful ghost. That and, shit's my and jam. And it's funny because I usually like, don't. I feel like helpful I, and ghosts, I really, uh, to I like me, it. make things less scary because it's like, oh, you the know, ghost wasn't scary. It was the guy that killed the ghost. But 
you know what movie does that really well? The Pact. Oh yeah, does help. Helpful the Ghost is the rare really exception well. where I was fine with the Helpful Ghost aspect. And I, but so well done, Helpful Ghost is like great. So the fact that this kind of turned into Helpful Ghost, I'm into. But there was something about the execution of it that, like you said, because was a it's not unclear. really explained. It's the I don't understand why Helpful Ghost didn't attack them. Was it because yeah. they weren't and they a weren't- family? Like they, they keep they kind of keep saying, "Oh, a family has to live here," and technically, parents who've lost their son might not be perceived as being a family. So is that why? But then when the other couple comes in and their child is there, are they a family? And that's why things happen to them. Why do the townspeople suddenly just? Or I'm not the townspeople. The helpful ghosts that are murderous. What suddenly makes them this round after 30 years, the previous 30 years where they must have killed whoever was in the house? Why this time do they kill the townspeople? It's it's not... There's part of me feels like they tell us, but I missed it. I, I feel like it's there, but maybe I didn't put it together fast enough. I know that's a weird thing to say. No, I think that's um, fair. Like maybe, we might have missed like Maybe something. I missed it. It's possible. Um... And I don't particularly enjoy the hyper-violent turn that it took. I mean, it was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, I, it just it just felt a little out of nowhere for me. It it did because I did in part. I don't know these people, and now I'm watching these people die horrible deaths. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm supposed to care or not. Uh, because they have not done anything to tell you about these townspeople. We know this yeah. woman owns the bar. We know nothing about her. We know this is the guy that kind of seems like the keeper of the town. Oh, and here's a dozen more people that are going to die right now. That we haven't really seen. That if we haven't were in the, heard the restaurant. Say a word. Yeah. Yeah. We get if, one if they scene. they were in the restaurant scene, we didn't see And them. we don't even know. It's, it's like, it's halfway through the movie when they even say, oh, let's go to town. Oh, yeah. You know, there's really nothing in town. There's one restaurant. Yeah. Okay. They walk into the restaurant. Everybody looks at them. That's all we get of this town. And yet the town is apparently, you know, this place that has hosted this evil and every year makes a sacrifice or every 30 years makes a sacrifice. That's a cool concept. I mean, it worked. It's worked for a lot of things. Uh, but why are you introducing this fifty minutes into a ninety-minute movie when you've spent a lot of other time on yeah. stuff that has nothing to do with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it's it's not tight, I guess. And even like, there's something going on where you know they talk about their son who's died. And Barbara Crampton is talking about, and the connection to the um, Lisa Marie is that Lisa Marie's son was his college roommate. And Barbara Crampton talks about it as if, oh, they were inseparable. They were so close. And then when you meet the son, he's like, yeah, we were freshman year roommates, but, you know, I haven't talked to him in years. And it's like, it's a little touch. It makes you wonder, like, okay, I wonder if there's more to that. No, we're not doing anything with it. Uh, We don't specific. We know the son died in an accident. We don't know how. Which is okay. We don't need to. Except, yeah. you know, it's... I don't know. Then why did we spend so much time on him? It's it's just odd. And the more the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, the messier it feels, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've there are movies that I watch where I'm like, oh, 
I'm never going to think about that or the person that made it ever again. I didn't really feel this that way on this. Yeah, me neither. Like, like okay. Try yeah. again. Try again. <laughs> Definitely I'll be try there. Again. Try again. Keep keep your cast. Your casting is good. You've got good ideas there. Uh, but th- it, yeah, tighten, tighten it up, firm it up. Do do some crunches. Something. Uh, I loved the soundtrack. I don't know if you. I didn't even notice it. There's a lot of like strings and like plucking of strings to kind of set oh, tone. Maybe to I did. Out. I really dug it. I, th- I thought the sound was used really well. And the sound in general, like when we get the kind of massacre and there's all, the whole thing is like they're kind of burning all these townspeople and you, the sizzling is like really sizzling. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Um, so there's there's definitely filmmaking tools that I appreciated in this director. And I didn't hate this movie it just felt sloppy. Yeah. 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 Uh, he is now, this director is working on a movie called Mohawk. Yeah. Uh, which... Oh, I'll see it. I don't recognize any of this cast. I don't know anything about this movie. I have nothing to contribute about this movie. Other than it's called Mohawk and it's his next film. Uh, no Barbara Crampton in it, which is disappointing. Well, that is disappointing. Yeah. But uh, that's about everything I have to say about it. That's all I have to say, too. Okay. Yeah, I did want to say that um, the movie that I kept thinking that um, Lords of Salem reminded me of was um, uh, The Sentinel. Just wanted yes. everybody to know. I that. would agree with that. I think the Sentinel was definitely an inf- I'm sure it's an influence on Rob Zombie, but I could I could see that in there. Yeah. But I was just talking about that. Uh, Brannon's like dream for Rob Zombie is that Rob Zombie should remake Freaks. Todd Browning's Freaks. Yeah. All right. And yeah. like it would make and that that's how this conversation started because then I said, "Oh, have you seen the Sentinel where there's." Uh, a scene that uses actors who are have different uh, yep. things. There's you know right like an actor with who who either had lost limbs or other things, and I'm just talking about that. It's very hard to be PC these days. Um, one day we'll come I to Central. I, I know you're a big fan of it. I yeah. I, I've only seen it once, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I'll give it another go. But uh, that's not. We are still here. We are still here. It needs a rating. So, quality of film? Yeah, I know. Um, 6.5? Now I'm, now I'm trying, this is where it gets challenging, because I'm trying to figure out where do I, if I gave Lords of Salem a 6, is this a better movie or not? What did I give Lords of Salem? I already you gave it a six point five. I think. Um, I really I don't remember. This is really hard. I'm I am trying to honestly decide: is this a better movie than Lords of Salem? Um, I might have just rated it like I thought they were close, but I don't think they're close. I think that Lords of Salem is way better. Is better. Yeah. 
but I so now I feel I, like I gave Lords of Salem too low because I feel like yeah, I may probably, yeah. but I don't think this is really that far under a six. So I'm going to turn my Lords of Salem to a six point two five and give this one a six. How's that? What did I just rate this one? These these ratings are meaningless. <laughs> There's meaning if you look deep within yourself. Uh, so it's just it's tough when you use five as like average. I know it is. And like you gotta understand, I was a nerd. So to me, like if I if I got a B in school, I was upset. Which means yeah. if I give a movie an eight, I am technically upsetting the movie. And so yeah. it's very difficult to try to translate that into my terms. Uh, quality of life of this movie. Um, here's where I would go lower than Lords of Salem for me, but I did enjoy watching it. I just had problems. So I'm going to go a straight six for that. Uh, I'm going to do 5.5. Okay. All right. So it that- was almost like a, like a, I could have, I could have lived my life without yeah. it, but, but now this person is on my radar. Yeah. And I, I didn't hate watching it. I just felt frustrated again, like Lords of Salem by some of the decisions and mixed, missed decisions and such. So mm-hmm. that was, we are still here, which is streaming on instant watch for those at home who are curious. Now onto our own Netflix instant or Amazon prime recommends. Milady, yeah. what you got? I robot. Really? Yeah. Never seen it. This <laughs> really one is no Alex Proyas, who I, I I like sometimes. No no preamble there. I really liked this movie. I was really, 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 really surprised. Huh. This is the Will it's Smith like, one, right? Yep. It's yeah. like best case scenario when you watch like you know, a movie of this type where it clearly was presented as like a a crowd pleasing mainstream cinema release okay you're really really rolling the dice with shit like that yeah, i was I would, like i know i know nothing about it just because it was eh, it was it seemed so like mainstream not my thing uh, and I don't know, I've never heard anybody talk about it, so. I don't know, I, Zach was like, it's kind of weird, like, it's got stuff in it you might like, you really want to watch it? And I was like, yeah. And then, I was like, oh. Wow. This is good, I like this movie. So maybe it was an expectation thing. So maybe if you tell somebody, oh, this is a pretty good movie, they, they will watch it and go like, oh, this was not great. But you are now, but if you... Pre- approach it like this is a movie nobody ever talks about it's got a lot of cgi it's yep. about robots and it's star <laughs> you expect something that's fair and i got something different and i liked it okay interesting uh, you you pulled one over me i'll tell you that i was not expecting that one neat all right mine is um maybe a little more predictable this was a rewatch for me recently but brandon hadn't seen it and i was like no i think i really i think you'll like it I liked it when I saw it the one time. Let's see how it holds up. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is really fun. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's on Netflix Instant. Uh, I hey, re- that one dude's in both of our movies. Which one? Alan Tudyk? Yeah. Alan Tudyk's in everything. He's in iRobot. He's the voice. He's in the voice. He's the voice of the robot. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I like the robots in this movie. Nice. I'm a child. Nice. But yeah, I, I he's like in both of them. I didn't know that. He's in both of our movies. He is the How Lisa Marie of our Netflix instance. How about that? For the Barbara Crampton. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's really fun. If you saw it and are wondering if it holds up, it really does. Because it's just, it's sweet and it, 
like the characters are are nice to each other and cute and it's really funny and it the setup is so is really good and simple yep. and it commits and it it could have been very cringeworthy but it's not and you know who else is in this our favorite from um final destination three and the the christmas bounty hunter movie with the miz mm-hmm. with the blonde like the ditzy blonde yeah she's the ditzy blonde in this movie and she's really good that's yeah the whole cast in this movie is good yeah yeah it is uh, it, it's delightful and i was happy that it was delightful the second go around so yeah awesome yeah i've seen it twice too i think i liked it nice both times i like that it's a good movie yeah uh all right the next episode so i i got it i got ideas you want to get my ideas okay okay so this started with a conversation with my husband about uhf which turned into me saying how good kevin mccarthy is in uhf and then it turned uh-huh. into... Are we watching UHF? No, we're not. Um, we, I mean, we oh. could. I, I'll rewatch it right now if you want. Actually, it almost ended in my divorce. Wait, because, did we already cover UHF? No, we didn't. <laughs> I was listening. Projection Booth just did a, a, a coverage of it. And it was a great episode. And he you know, interviews a director and everything. So UHF fans, go listen to the Projection Booth's episode on it. Um, and I discovered recently that my husband is not a fan of UHF. So again... <gasps> So it's over. A possible divorce coming soon. We'll, I'll keep you updated on that. Uh, but anyway, we ended up talking about Kevin McCarthy, which made my husband say, oh, and he's so good in inner space. And I said, you know, I saw inner space once when I was really young, and I only remember that Martin Short's in it, and I love Martin Short. So we're going to watch inner space. I, well, I will thank you on Zach's behalf right now. Is he a fan? Yeah, he's been trying to get me to watch it oh, for a while. Oh, so now you have to. It is um, Dennis Quaid shrinks himself and goes into yep. Martin Short's body and woos yeah. Meg Ryan. I think I've seen parts of it, like, when I was younger, but I don't know if I've ever... It was definitely one of those, like, cable stalwarts, but yeah. I've never sat down and watched it beginning to end. And again, so both of our husbands are big fans of this movie, apparently. Or your husband and my uh, current husband, until we talk about, I make him rewatch UHF and see where he yeah. stands then. Uh, so I thought a lot about what to pair it with. Um, could have gone many ways. Many ways. I'm fucking scared. Well, I, at first I was just going to go a Martin Short route and just do like Three Amigos or something. But it's, then I would just be quoting Three Amigos the whole time. So that wouldn't work. Uh, so instead, I'm like, okay, let me do another movie about shrinking somebody. And I shrink the kids. Which one? Oh, no. I shrunk the kids. No, because then it would just be me talking about the time that I went to Disney and got to ride the bee. So, no. Uh, Fucking lucky bitch. I, I, me and my brother, we got picked. There's pictures of us somewhere. Best moment of my life. Uh, other than the time I met D.B. Sweeney when I was really drunk in New York on the subway. <laughs> but anyway, I would like to watch, because I have never seen it, 1984, I think, The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. Did you just post about this somewhere? No. I literally just saw this go by on my Facebook like That's crazy. Like an hour or two it ago, like before me. we started no. recording. No, I am a huge That's fan shocking. of The Incredible Shrinking wow. Man, which I think is a masterpiece. But I have never seen The Incredible mm-hmm. Shrinking Woman. Uh, I've seen, again, it was always on TV. I remember bits of it, but I've never sat down and watched it. And I'm very curious how it is. Okay. So that's what we're doing next time. All right. Okay. So 
That's what we got. Uh, folks, don't forget to come to our Facebook group at The Feminine Critique on Facebook. We're on Twitter, kind of, sort of. I haven't been on Twitter in a long time. Uh, I don't know. Been sometimes that? on Twitter at either Para X Teen or Feminine Podcast. Uh, yeah, do we have anything else to tell the world about? I don't think so. Be good, be kind, uh, let's make this world better. And how would RuPaul end this episode, Christine? You've been watching, you should know. I don't fuck it up. But <laughs> well, don't fuck it up, yeah. Um, if you don't love yourself, yourself how the, how the hell, hell are you, you gonna, gonna love, some love someone else? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. I'm so happy you're watching RuPaul. On that note, we'll say goodnight. I'm so happy that little red-haired girl dropped her pencil. It has teeth marks all over it. She nibbles her pencil. She's human. It hasn't been such a bad day after all. Happiness is finding a pencil. Pizza with sausage. Telling the time. Happiness is learning to whistle. Tying your shoe for the very first time. Happiness is playing the drum in your arms. And happiness is walking hand in hand. Happiness is two kinds of ice cream. Knowing a secret. Climbing a tree. Happiness is five different crayons. Catching a firefly, setting him free. Morning and evening, daytime and nighttime too. For happiness is anyone and anything at all that's loved by you. Happiness is having a sister, sharing a sandwich, getting loved by you
You're a good man, Charlie Brown.